Hey friend, how are you feeling today? Oh, Coco, I'm feeling anxious, really anxious, uh, feeling excited. My head kind of hurts. I don't really even know why that hurts. I mean, it's not that I used my head at all today. Um, my corn pad is slipping because I put it on my toe after I banged into a piece of furniture, because that's the worst. I hear that banging your toe against the chair is probably worse than being punched in the face. You know, and I'm having such an itch right now. I don't know what the problem is. You know, and no one online on Doc MV or any You're listening to How You Feeling with Coco and Fran. We have a show today. We have a show today. All right. That should be our new intro. Oh, Lord. I mean, now you like my intros. When we first started doing this show, every time I had an idea for like a wacky, weird intro, you're like, yeah, we're not doing that. Listen, that was before we like officially found our flow. I found my flow a long time ago. (laughs) Okay, so today, yes, we are meeting with a, um, I was going to (laughs) say, I was going to say an Illuminati member. because she i meant i meant to say alumni but i was i bet i was thinking illuminati for no reason she definitely is an alumni because not only has she been a guest but she has co-hosted how many times once twice i I can't remember i think only one time i think where i had to step in because i think your sister was having a baby yes We, uh, we talked about that recently because our guest, you and I had to wrangle our guest. <laughs> I was yes. thinking about that the other day too, actually, where I, I didn't know how to get a word in and you're like <laughs> chatting me like, just get in there. And I'm like, <laughs> exactly. She was like, yeah, so let's talk about pantyhose. And it was like, <laughs> so in case, um, people haven't recognized your voice. We are joined by Aaron today. So thank Hi. you very much, Aaron, for, for joining us on How You Feeling with Coco and Fran. Great to be here as always. So, so we, we brought you on because, you know, we like to laugh, but sometimes there's things that, you know, are hard to laugh at. There are things that no matter how much, you know, distractions we have, it's hard to realize that these are real things that happen in our world and um and they affect everyone on many levels both emotionally mentally they they do affect people so i think it's some something that's important like we we always stray from the political for the most part um but something like this this topic that we're kind of going to weave into it's um it needs to be discussed i think yeah definitely so let's let's dive right in um we can say you're a teacher right yeah okay <laughs> um I, I mean i know you're a teacher you're a wonderful <laughs> teacher. um i've never had you as my teacher but i can only imagine what that's like um but you know, it's hard for teachers right now. And I've been talking to a few people here and there, even people that I used to work with um, that are teachers. Um, 
you know, we all know what we're talking about here, right? It's these unfortunate events that happen in schools, why they happen in schools, why this has become, I'm sorry, I have to use this word, but why has it become a trend? To me, it's like, can't we just go back to wearing, you know, jelly shoes? Cause that was a trend at one point. Like, why do we have to get into this ugliness? Right. Yeah. And, and the reality is, is that this becomes a trend. And I have often thought about you and so many people that I have known over the years that are teachers. And I think to myself, when that is on the news, and even if it did not happen in your neighborhood, there has to be a moment that you think, I'm not going to work tomorrow. Um, it's more than that. I mean, if you're not, it's teachers know what teachers go through. Like um, if you're not in education, it's difficult to really get others to understand what school in, at least where I have worked and where I, what I've experienced in a public school setting in preparation for being killed, quite bluntly. I mean, we, um, and the kids, that's the other part. The kids do this, your children do this. Um, So whenever, you know, shootings happen and we hear about it on the news, I can only really speak for myself, but the thought of getting shot or killed or an intruder coming in the building for me happens every day. So when the story is on the news, it's kind of like, yeah, yep. Like you're not that you're waiting, but it's present. Like, um, at least in the state I work in, we legally have to do a fire drill every month. Fine. Right. Everybody knows the exits, the procedures, you stay calm, you know where to go. And now we legally also have to do some type of lockdown. And that could be for various reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be f- like um, you have to stay in your classroom and nobody moves. You have to go to one specific area and, and shelter. You have to evacuate the building. And I've been in tons of different lockdowns for various reasons, various reasons. But your initial thought immediately goes into like the worst case scenario that someone is coming into actually harm you um how long have you been teaching 12 years and when was the when would you say was the first instance or or first situation where you truly felt scared for the safety of yourself and your students have you ever felt that um not in terms of an intruder Mm-hmm. Uh, the only time I really felt unsafe was we had a gas leak and we had to immediately evacuate the building and it was like 20 degrees outside and no one had jackets or were prepared and we, and we had to get out and away from the building. Um, we lucky enough, I haven't been in an experience where we've had like an actual intruder so-and-so in the building, but we've had a variation of different things happen. Like, um, you know, a student having a just complete and utter meltdown going on and they were throwing chairs and we had to go into a lockdown Mm. um 
it's really the drills that are scary, <laughs> to be honest, the practicing yeah. of it, because you're on a monthly basis, you are reminded that you on some level are not safe and they're supposed to make you feel safe. They're supposed to make you feel like you have options and you know what to do and you can calmly react. But at the same time, the way I put it to people that are not in education, when was the last time you in your office building at your job practice building a fort against your door. Yeah. We do that once, once a month. That's crazy. When was the last time you had the SWAT team at your school practicing you running to an extended location to get away from the building? We do that once a month. When was the last time you practiced having an undercover police officer break into your classroom? We do that once a month. So I don't, it's like, when did, have you guys ever done that? I mean, like, have you ever done that? No. No. And your kids are doing that. What, I mean, we can't, we can never know what's going on inside their heads, but it, it's, it's gotta be, I mean, they're, this has become their norm. Yes. This, oh, this is their norm. They, they don't, they don't know what it is before, like how it was before. They don't. And we had a lockdown um, maybe a week or two ago, a practice lockdown. It was, I think it was, um, we didn't evacuate. I think the, they make an announcement and they're like, okay, it was a practice, but it was like the intruders in the front of the building. And then every classroom will react different depending on where the intruder is. So for, for us, we followed the pro proper protocol for that. And at the end of the drill, um, nothing happens in terms of like a follow-up with the students of like, how did you feel about that? You know, like nothing on at least a school level wise, wow. wide, but I do that in my classroom. I'm like, how's everybody feeling? Let's walk through your, what your thoughts are because it's so strange to be sitting in the classroom and you're reading a book. And then they're like, uh, there's an active shooter in the front hallway. This is just a drill. And then you go react to that. And then you come back and you're like, all right, we're on page 57. <laughs> you're like, we just pretended there was an active shooter 30 seconds ago. So I like to check in with the students and talk about that. And um, one student was like, well, you know, Miss Cody, these are, these are keeping us safe. And, it, and I'm like, man, this is their norm. This is what they think they're supposed to be doing. This is what it's always been like. And then I, as a teacher, again, have to toe the line of staying neutral, not politically expressed views. Um, you know, you want to calm the students down and, and keep them, you know, not increase their anxiety of things. So that's also another battle. It's like, well, what do you, how do I, how do you respond to a student like that? You know, where you're just like, no, this is messed up. Yeah. <laughs> this is really messed up. But I, I have a question that. because I mean, we talk about an intruder coming into the building, but is there also concern with the calls coming from inside the house? Like there's actually like the intruder is in your school already. It's one of the students. Oh, we have, I mean, we, we well, when we say an intruder, it's never external to the building. But the intruder, when we do practice drills, is always somewhere in the building and moving. Right. Okay. So okay. sure. Yeah. Do the students understand the drills and all that type of stuff? Absolutely. I mean, I think that could be one, I mean, I, I can't actually, I don't know why people really decide to shoot up schools. It's, is it the shock value? Is it the innocence? Is it the availability of people that, and the damage you can do? I'm, I don't, I won't know. I don't want to 
so much try to dive into that. Yeah. I just, um, but it's, 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 um, especially after the most latest one. And, and quite frankly, there's been mass shootings that have happened every single day. I mean, it's like, I, if I say the latest one and you air this podcast in six months, yeah, people, you know what I mean? Like it's going to pertain to whatever the most recent shooting was, yeah. but, um, I was in a different classroom and I was subbing for a teacher and I had a, I had to figure out in my head, my escape and my students escape in that classroom. And that's what we do as teachers. It's like you enter a space and then you're like, okay, there's the exit. You know, where I have to make sure the door is locked. I have to be able to quickly lock the door. Do I have my key on me? Do I have my pass on me? And it's not for anything other for me, again, I can only speak to myself, but for making sure I can put the kids in a lockdown and follow protocols that we've established in the school. It's so, it's so the things that you were just mentioning, it's, it's very reminiscent to what women have to do to take care of themselves. You know, don't be out alone at night, make sure you're aware of your surroundings, always have your keys on you and ready to, to, to go all of these things. And it's, and it's crazy to think that, you know, we, we raise our daughters or our girls, women to do all of these things to protect themselves, but nothing is ever done to prevent those types of situations from happening to them. And it's the same situation as what you're saying. So there, you, you, as a teacher, I mean, of course you're, you're in charge of these children's well-being, regardless of the fact, you know, they're in your charge you're 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 taking care of them but you think of all those other little steps that you have to take um and it's and why it makes you wonder why aren't the schools safe for kids you know i mean all i can say to that is we're trying yeah that's the thing it's like we as staff and adults are trying Mm -hmm. is that good enough no and when you hear things where like um, solutions uh, that are talked about, you know, why don't we arm the teachers? I mean, is that really, <laughs> I mean, that, is, let's bring more point. guns to the situation. <laughs> I not just that, but I mean, this is another thing like um, Francesco and I were actually talking about this and there, and some people have said, like, well, if I was a teacher, I would strike until they put gun laws in. Schools are a snippet of the rest of the country and the globe. I, mm-hmm. I have coworkers who do not want gun reform. They, they don't believe there's an issue. So you can't blanket statement the fact that teachers are strongly for gun reform because of all of these school shootings. Yeah. There are millions of teachers that do not want gun reform and they're doing the lockdowns just as much as I am. You mm-hmm. know, So there's something to be said for that as well. They're, they're also in the school. And yeah. also to that point, I mean, just imagine how many teachers across the country who are probably packing heat and we don't even know about it. Oh, gosh. Like, I mean, think about it. Like, if you really have teachers who believe there shouldn't be gun reform, like, and they know that there's a possibility that something like this could happen in their classroom, what would stop them from having something in their purse or in their do- in their drawer? Hmm. what's interesting though too though is where in the country you're speaking about as well so even in the state i'm in my current situation hunting is not a common um activity not a common hobby it's not a common lifestyle choice you know even for for food purposes 
northern of the state, absolutely. It's, mm. it's days are taken off for the hunting season. Yeah. You know, having guns is totally normal. So that's another aspect to this whole thing that, and that's why education system in this country is so challenging is because every state and then every area within a state has these different subsets of people and cultures that are ingrained in that community. So, you know, my mom worked in a school where, yeah, they took a week off for hunting season mm-hmm. and it was, that was totally normal and gun talk was totally normal. And there was nothing scary about it because it was part of their culture and way of life. Mm-hmm. So. And I think, so I, I think that's the thing that people are, again, I, I didn't want this whole thing to turn into that kind of political talk with with regards to gun reform but you know they they talk about um you know not wanting their their guns to be taken away and i don't think that's the 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 basis for all of this uproar it's it's to prevent the accessibility so readily to people who shouldn't be getting these have access to these guns right does anyone need an uh, an ar-15 exactly and if you're a responsible gun owner with a permit you could you you still have access to your guns right plain and simple but anyway i mean i remember when we were going to school probably the most challenging thing that the teacher had to worry about was that johnny didn't pass out from low blood sugar and (laughs) a banana at 12 o'clock like i mean francesco that's a valid point i have i've got a i have students that are diabetic and and one student with a heart issue that at any moment it could literally explode and i have to look for signs and signals to that Mm. i have students with major emotional issues I have students that are um, multiple disability students, and then you want to give me a gun? <laughs> are you kidding me? I can't. That's I'm crazy. Trying to help your child make it through the day because they're in a fight with their best friend and they're crying in my classroom. Yeah. While I'm trying to teach my subject, yeah. Matt, while I'm trying to figure out in my head how many students are out of my classroom for a lockdown, so I can report it if I have a student missing out of my room. Have you ever had a, a student come up to you and, and express concern about anything with regards to their safety? Um, I've had it, the most I've heard really from, I, I've, it's an interesting question because there's a lot of meaning around the word safety. Mm. So I could take that answer many different ways. Do you mean safety in school? Yeah, I mean, how how often do you get approached by that in with regards to a student's safety, whether it's outside forces within the school, just they don't feel safe for whatever reason. Um. Um. Well. That's a challenging question because um, like the discussions that we have after the drills, Mm. that's usually where the students will just nonstop do hypotheticals. Yeah. So it's really the drills that way for me that I've noticed observed have um, exacerbated some anxiety about like often they're like, what if a person's outside the window? And what if we run outside and there's somebody outside and then what happens? And then you're just like, and again, my focus is we could do a thousand hypotheticals. 
Mm-hmm. We always think to the worst case scenario. Yeah. And then we tell the students um, real true lockdowns that I've been in that weren't dangerous, like they're, or, or weren't dangerous in terms of an active shooter or an intruder. But like um, we were in a lockdown because there was a bear outside. You know, we were in a lockdown because the truck turned over and it was a chemical spill. Okay. Um, we were in a lockdown because a substitute didn't properly have their ID and a student got scared and told the teacher there was a stranger in the building and the teacher called the lockdown and it turned out to be, it actually wasn't a substitute, it was a special education teacher. Oh, wow. <laughs> and that turned into a humorous moment, you know, because the teacher was like, I've been working here for 40 years and the child called a lockdown on me. But um, but in terms of other, I mean, we could, I mean, the topics that that question encapsulates is huge. Is it safety with race? Is it safety with gender identity? That's is true. it safe, safety with, um, you know, peers? Mm-hmm. I mean, we could, and that's what teachers are dealing with every day. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like the word safety is, I want to keep my students emotionally and physically safe in my classroom and in the school building. But that word is way more than just safety in terms of an intruder or something like that happening in the building. Very true. Yeah. So I wanted to, um, I wanted to ask you, um, I, I, I don't know necessarily if these two things are related or not, but we can even talk about this in a very vague way, but you are moving towards a new stage in your life. You're moving into, you know, doing something else. I was going to say transition, but that could, that's like the words, that's like the words, that's like the words saying. <laughs> That's like the word safety. There's a lot attached to transition. Yeah, a lot attached to that. So, but you know, there's, there's some stuff happening differently. Some decisions that you've made, some things that, so how, I mean, it's up to you how much you want to divert sure. of that, but how much of what we just talked about affected this decision? Well, I'm leaving teaching for now, definitely. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I mean, I love the kids, you know, I love teaching, but, um, there's, again, there's like so much more to it. And you'll hear every teacher say, it's like, I love teaching, but it's everything else, Mm. everything else. And, um, for me, what it really has come down to was COVID and during COVID as horrible as that experience was for the global population. And then the immediate population in my in my district, even and in my family with my close friends, um, there was hope that I had that things would change, mm. you know. And on a little political side, like, oh, healthcare is really important because of this. We should fund it better, and we should really make it more available to people. Or the work hours, the work week, the expectations. My schedule at school changed, and we were still. I mean, we got some stuff done. Was it the best schedule? No. Were we in a global pandemic? Yes. <clears throat> but for me, I held on to hope. Like we, as the world, look at look at how the pollution drastically yeah. was lowered, and the skies cleared, and the smog for some areas went away because people weren't traveling. And then this past year, it's felt like nothing has changed. Mm. And I'm tired of not seeing change in a manner bigger than me. 
So I'm going to make the change. Like, of course, you know, <clears throat> I could change. People might say like, oh, well, you could change how you teach or, or you could change your classroom experience or your job. But it's like, the, I am, a, uh, I feel at this point, just, you know, a small minuscule and I don't feel like there's been enough change. I feel like schools opened up and are necessary to put kids somewhere so parents can work 40 jobs to make it. Yeah. What, what's interesting is that I've known you for a long time and for people who are listening, you're not the type of person who would make this type of decision unless it was sparked by something bigger. Like yeah. you're not, you're not the type of person who's just like, Hey, this is a little hard. I'm done. Right. Like that's not you. And it never has been. So I just want to let people know that are listening that you are the type of person that makes these type of decisions because it is time. And I know that when you told me about it, I was just like, Oh, it's time because yeah. you didn't even have to convince me. It wasn't even like, Oh, well, you know what? Why don't you wear more comfortable shoes to work? You'll feel better. Like there was no way around it. Like you were like, that's it. Yeah. You know? Even if it's just a short break, even if it's just a year, I mean, uh, whatever, but just to, just to get a break and a breather for a second, mm -hmm. even with the kids, I thought it'd be different when we came back from COVID, you know, they were, they, they had a horrible past two years in school. Couldn't see their friends, a lot of, um, lack of growth and maturity and development, uh, reading social cues, which is already an issue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm every day now back, we're back in it. And it's like trying to, trying to still explain and prove and teach why it's important they're there in school. I would say within a month, of the kids coming back. The first month was great. They're like, this is amazing. I love being in school. I get to see my friends and we move around to different classrooms and I have a locker. And then like a month later, they're like, I hate this place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And you're like, ah. but that's, <laughs> but that's the experience that, you know, like it or not, it's, they need that. You know, they, like you said, they need the social interaction. They need to be able to see their friends. They need all of that. And even, even though they may hate their teachers, hate the subjects, it's still, it's so important for them to be in that environment. And, and, you know, I don't have my own kids, but just from other people sharing their stories about their kids and, and how it, it really messed with their children's mental health on, on a huge level, not being able to be in school. You're very secluded. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think, I think the same thing happened with adults. Oh, yeah. Like, I think there's so many adults that I know, the ones who complain the most during COVID that they couldn't go out, go take a look in their living room and see what they're doing right now. Like, <laughs> yes. honestly, like, I, I'm gonna tell you right now, you don't know how many people made the excuse of like, I can't go anywhere. I can't go anywhere. I can't go anywhere. And now you ask them to go out and they're like, I'm tired. I'm gonna stay home and watch some Netflix. Because it's become, it's become a habit that it's difficult to break now. But I also think those people have always been that way. That's my thing. Mm. I think there's a lot of people out there. It's like, you know, the plethora of memes that we read about people yeah. uh, today making plans because I'm in a good mood. This is me actually having to show up to the plans. 
Are you kidding me? Are we that debilitated that we yeah. can't go out and see people? I remember my neighborhood was outside during COVID and everybody was talking. They're like, this is horrible. This is horrible. And I was like, you guys, you think this is horrible? Imagine what the Europeans are going through because they socialize every single night. Oh my God. On the most beautiful day, my neighborhood is not outside. That's are you crazy. kidding me? Like, come on. How often do you see your neighbors? Not yeah. realistic in the suburbs as, you know, at least in New Jersey. Hmm. You know, maybe it's different in Louisiana where you sit on a porch with a harmonica. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just but it's, it's interesting too, though, because some students, um, you know, if they weren't having um, COVID issues or complications in terms of health of family members or things like that, some of them flourished not being in school because they felt safer there's that word again right safety they were left alone they weren't being bullied or picked on they um felt safe be, being behind a computer screen and actually we we had a bunch of students who actually skyrocketed and mm. loved being home and that's what i mean we're like there was that hope yeah. of that little bit of change like okay how can we change how we teach instead of having one hour blocks of every subject matter? Um, some students really enjoyed the flexibility of like, yeah, and which is normal of like, I'm going to read for 20 minutes, go have a snack, come back and do a little bit of my math homework, maybe go outside for a second, which is what we as adults do. Yeah. I'm going to write this email. I'll scoot out for an errand really fast. Eat, some, You know, like I understand students need structure and they need to, to build um you know, some sort of schedule or structure, but yeah. still, I mean, there were some benefits to, to some and, of it. And, and there's articles written about corporate companies all over America who saw there were departments in their companies that actually were more successful because they were working from home. And they had decided to give those people like kind of a flex schedule or a hybrid schedule. And it's funny because you think about it, anyone who's worked a corporate job, like I remember temping, and you got a pile of work to do and you're like, oh, I can get through this in three hours. It takes seven hours because you've got four meetings. Yeah. And all of them are 45 minutes to an hour long. And then on top of that, you've got people coming to your desk every five minutes. Hey, what are you doing? Hey, what's going on? That's, that's one of the things that um, Chris talks about, you know, when he was in, when he was working in an office everyone would come over to his cubicle and ask him questions because he was the, you know, the go-to person for whatever they were working on project-wise, blah, blah, blah. And now him working at home, yeah, he gets, they, they have their like online chat and, and whatnot, but it's, he's not physically being, you know, pulled into someone else's office or, or, or something like that. So pro productivity-wise, it's a lot of people flourished at home for sure, you know? Definitely. So, so I wanted to, with this, you know, change that you've made, Aaron, yeah. is you're embracing this change or moving forward. What's the scariest part about it? Um, that I'm making a mistake, leaving, changing the security blanket of what I've created for myself now. Okay. I think the other part too is, um, I have been lucky enough because I know not everybody has the opportunity uh, or want to for whatever reasons, but I've become very close to my parents. Mm. And I experienced them 
in an unhealthy state and they made it through that. So I'm scared of that happening, which it will again, or dying and missing out on time with them now when they're healthy and we're friends. Mm. My, my mom was very strict when I was younger, very, very, very strict. So it definitely was not a friendship. It was a parent yeah. child relationship, which now, you know, I understand on a better level. Uh, and then my dad was always parent child, but he was more empathetic and more like, you know, calm. Yeah. Um, but that's shifted for both of them in my, in my relationship with them. We're now, we are friends. We're very close friends. So um, there's like a lot, not so much guilt, but I would refer to as separation anxiety regarding leaving them and what might happen once I'm gone. Okay. So, I mean, did you set up some sort of plan even for yourself that you think to yourself, like, if X, Y, Z happens, this is what I'm doing. Cause I mean, essentially you're close enough. If you yeah. come back. I'm, I'm a couple hours away drive. I'm like five, hours away drive. So, um, I could get there. I think I'm only the, it, I'm only 10, 15 minutes away from them now. So if something happens, I'm there in a second, or if I stop by and then I just take care of things that, that are going on that my parents wouldn't even mention on the phone or anything, but I'm like, Oh gosh, I'll just do it. Just let, leave it alone. I'll do it. Um, yeah. so, um, I, if there's a big knock on wood, emergency you know i'll get out there within a day's time um it's kind of the smaller stuff the shoveling mm. stoop <laughs> yes you know the small stuff like that where like if yeah. there's a snowstorm and then i'm there and i'm like to make sure they don't fall because my dad fell and my mom had cancer and it, so it's like yeah, that anxiety is creeping back in of like mm -hmm. i'm trying or still to like figure out how do i make sure that if something happens, I don't then turn that into, well, if I had been there, if yeah. I had been there. Yeah, absolutely not. You can't do that. And you, you know what? Can't. Listen, but. it's a circle of life, right? It's, it's, you know, your parents probably spent a long time wanting to be there for you when you were younger. And then it turns and now it's like, you need to be there for them. But I think your relationship is unique with your parents. I don't think there's anybody I know that I'm friends with who has that type of relationship with their parents. And the fact is you really made the best out of all this time you've had, you know? And at the end of the day, maybe nothing happens. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, maybe nothing happens, but I guess the bigger question is what are you most looking forward to about getting into your new life, fair to say? What what are you looking forward to doing? I mean, it sounds like there's a there's a little bit of fear and stuff like that, but I want to hear what you're excited to change. I mean, on some other level, it's also just being free of that uh, um, assistance with them. Hmm. I'm kind of like <laughs> the boiling point of like on top of teaching and all that, but I'd spent five weekends in a row. I mean, and I, and multiple days throughout the week as well, but every weekend was at their house, fixing things, doing things. And, um, and I have two siblings, one who lives across the country. So no fault to that, or even with my other sibling and stuff, but I was there every weekend and I was putting together six wooden chairs. My mom had ordered hmm. and it took me four hours. And that was my, that was my Saturday. 
Uh, and then Sundays all work. So my Saturday was putting the chairs together, making sure they're okay. And then after I put the last one together, I looked at them and I was like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> it's like, I can't do this. Like, did you have I, like a, were you feeling like a sense of obligation and then, then thoughts of guilt, you, you know, when you made that decision? Yeah. Oh yeah. And I still am. Yeah. I still, I still am. And then of course my parents are, or I should say my dad is a jokester, but he's also like Mr. Guilt. So when I, when I see him, this, this is how we'll end my visit. All right, dad, love you. I'll see you later. I hope so. Hope I make it through the night. Oh, I'm like, oh cool. cool. <laughs> Way to think positive, dad. <laughs> anxiety on my right and then my mom will be like watch out for the deer they're running after cars and I'm like so I'll just die on my way to my apartment and dad's gonna die overnight so cool your mother I have to clean up the mess well Um, but but here's the thing with that that aside yeah have you had the conversation to even hear truly how they feel about you leaving like what is yeah totally what is the they're, well, not, uh, involved with that is talking about their deaths. Mm. And um, we talk very openly about death. And my dad has a very large family. And within that time, um, a lot of people have died. We've, my, my grandfather owned a funeral home. Wow. Uh, so we were raised in the funeral home. You know, I saw, we would go visit my grandpa and there'd be like somebody in the coffin and we'd, we'd go hang out with it. My siblings and I, while my dad talked to my grandpa and we're like, there's a, there's a dead body in there, you know? And it was just like part of childhood. Um, so we always talk about death. So part of the conversation has, we even did it yesterday, last night, hypotheticals. What if, again, like to review, what if dad dies first? What if one of you gets injured? What if one of you can't take care of the other? um and do they have like a plan set you know oh yeah yeah okay yeah and huh so they've got a plan my mom's like you know pretty on top of stuff like we this is the other thing and i'm sorry if this is like a side tangent but we had two very close family members in the past three months pass older um older than me so 60s and 70s neither one of which these were long-term illnesses Mm. And I don't know if it's how I was brought up. I don't know if it's denial. And maybe you guys can speak on behalf of your experiences. They didn't put one thing in place. No will, no plan for the kids. Once one uh, child of the family was disabled, no plan for how to help the single parent now with a disabled child living at home after the spouse dies. Um, Nothing was put in place, no funeral arrangements, no burial plot no idea if they want to be buried or cremated and we couldn't believe it and then because of our life experiences and my dad's experience you know he's the go-to person for people to call for help and I went with my mom to our the last person that died and we're sitting around the table and I bought his coffin Mm. like my childhood thought like a like adult in the neighborhood who I grew up with for 30 years Mm. I picked out and bought his coffin wow and then they're sitting there like we don't even know if he has a will and it's like how do you not know that he's been cognizant and functioning but in the hospital for six months Mm -hmm. it wasn't until the last week he declined and he can't he couldn't speak 
and you don't even know yet, you don't know if he has a will or who to even contact about that. So that's crazy. It's important, I think, in helping with the separation anxiety, of like getting that stuff in place because yeah it alleviates a little bit of of that that stress yeah you know what do you want if you're if you're incapacitated and you can't speak what are your wishes yeah Tell me now while we're sitting on the porch drinking a cup of coffee which is a horrible subject to think about but it's all planned out and that's and that's the reason you just said it that's the reason why people don't do it because when you're sitting there having a cup of coffee you don't want to have the conversation. And then it just never seems like the right time to have it. And, you know, I, what I wanted to ask you, because you talked about your siblings not being close, I'm, I'm not suggesting that they're, they're going to decide to move closer or, but once you leave them knowing that you were essentially like the caretaker, like, how does this change their relationship with your parents do you know um i mean i've had those conversations with my siblings and that i need my time to go now you know and someone said to me and um i don't remember who it was but they said you have to let them have their turn Mm. and that stuck with me are you i don't know if you mentioned it or not are you oldest youngest middle I'm youngest. Youngest, okay. Youngest, and then I have a sister who's middle and then an older brother. So um, that stayed with me because I, I haven't really moved away from them. Mm-hmm. So this is like, although it's only five hours, it's still like, whoa, I'm like leaving more than 20 minutes away from them. Yeah. So, um, but someone was like, yeah, you have to let them have their turn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also like, when I hear someone like you talk to me about stuff like this, I think about you, I put you in the place of like my child. And I hear you and I go, these are not things you should have to worry about. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, and I get it. I get it because it, everything you described, putting the chairs together, being there, like you had this relationship with them and you will have this relationship with them. But whether your siblings decide to do it immediately or not, I think there's probably going to be a shift because I think it's not until you leave that it becomes a reality mm-hmm. because like right now you're still here and in their minds, they can play the game all they want that maybe she won't leave. Mm-hmm. Maybe she won't leave once you're gone and you're there for a few weeks and it doesn't look like you're coming back every weekend for a visit. Maybe it'll change. Mm. Yeah. Maybe it'll change. You and know? the hard part with that is that it's like, I like my parents. <laughs> Like, I like going over there to hang out. They're fun. They're smart. They're intelligent. Like, we have great conversations and laughs. So that's the other issue, which is, again, I'm incredibly lucky to have that relationship with them. And I know it's rare. I like them Mm. as people. That's, That's what's so rare about your relationship with your parents, because I can't remember the last time a friend of mine said that and really meant it. Mm hmm. Yeah. Because most of my friends, and even if they do have a good relationship with a parent, it's not both of them, Mm. you know? Um, I think for you, it's like, I think this is good. I think this is awesome that you're actually gonna experience this. Now, if I may be Mary Poppins for one moment. Oh, got some medicine for me. (laughs) Would there ever be an opportunity where you and the significant 
would come back this way or staying that way is the plan forever and ever? I mean, I don't know. That, that's the fun part of this too. I don't know. His family is also closer to my family, but. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So I, I don't know. We always just talk about dreaming about like buying a cabin somewhere in Santa Fe or New Mexico and just living in the desert naked, you know? Disappearing. <laughs> Disappearing. I hear you. So, so yeah. short, short term and long term plans for you when you, when, when you're in your new location. What yeah. do you hope, what do you hope to, to occupy yourself, your time with? I would like to work. I love working. Like Francesco said, I am not okay with like, oh, I'm just gonna throw out. Like I will just, I will lose myself. So yeah, yeah. it's definitely establishing um, some sort of job or career out there and maintaining my sense of self and importance outside of this relationship is important. Mm-hmm. Um, hobbies, interests, friends, that's, that's key. And the good thing, again, because he's been out there a couple of years, I do have some of that already. I have a found- uh, small, but I have a foundation of that. So I'm not coming in to a new city where yeah. I'm completely yeah. like, dependent on, on him. You can always sign up for meetup, just so you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Meetup. And I've just been scooching around to other towns, you know, outside the city to just be like, oh, this is a cool place. And yeah. it's not, you know. Yeah. Um, so that's that's kind of sh- short term, but leading into long term is like to establish still myself. Yeah. And then long term, I have no idea. Mar- marriage isn't really a priority for mm-hmm. us. We've been together seven years. So if it was, we would have tried to make that work faster, but I'm like whatever. Wow, seven years, and I've never met him. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Not many people have met him. Not many people. I think it drives Francesco crazy. Fran is Fran is hurt. She hides him in the woods. Um, he hides in the woods. Him. Yeah. No, it has, it's but that's true. That is valid. I will validate that. No, Francesco has not met him. No. Um, and when I don't meet you, you really don't exist. So oh, so he's your snuffleupagus. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> you just called him a fat hairy elephant. Well, I, he is hairy. I didn't, I didn't call him that. I don't even know what he looks like. I don't know who he is. <laughs> um, so you know what we talk about on this show lots of times, and the reason why we wanted to have you on, and this kind of you know ties it all together, is we talk about challenges. We talk about people making important decisions, not being able to execute. And there's always an endless, Coco knows all the years of us doing this. I've always been fascinated with the trigger, the thing that makes the person finally go, yep, I'm doing this. And they start doing it because I have to tell you, most of my friends, and I say this all the time, most of my friends talk about stuff and they don't do it. Hmm. And I feel like it's interesting whenever I meet anyone, whether it's talk to one of my friends or talk to someone I don't know, who suddenly go, yep, I'm doing this. And then they start packing, mm-hmm. you know? And unless that's a like a fake Zoom screen behind you <laughs> with all that stuff piled up, <laughs> you're leaving. Not fake. Should've... Yeah, I'm leaving. Yeah, I am. Wow. I actually just put my notice in yesterday at work. Oh, wow. And- um, How did that feel? See, I was shaking and not for fear- I was just nervous. I just wanted to get over the hurdle of that being like me just resigning. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone has been very supportive. And then when I say I'm, I'm moving, you know, for figuring out a life with my significant other, 
people are so pumped. Mm. A couple of people, like you were saying, Francesca, have come up to me and are like, I wish I could just do that. Just like pack up and go. And I'm like, well, yeah, I get that. Like I am jazzed. (laughs) Okay. So, and I'm glad you said that because you know what happens and this now teeters on my work and stuff I do with people. Every single one of those people can do it, Mm -hmm. but they always are going to be like, but I have kids in school. Oh, but I have, you know, some, I owe somebody my kidney. Like, it's going to be something that you're like, come on, we can do it. Like, I am, I truly believe, and this is my philosophy, when your passion outweighs your fear, you'll do it. Everything is scary. Everything is scary. Whether you've done it or not, it's scary. But when your passion outweighs it, you can do it. And I just love when people live vicariously through someone like you, you know, it's like, you know, suddenly you're the miracle worker. You're like healing (laughs) people in the hallway, you know? And they're like, I want to be like you. Yeah, it's not an impossible feat, but you know what? And Coco and I talk about this a lot. People talk about like, oh, but I don't have the money to do this thing, or I don't have this blah blah blah. And I'm like, when you want to do something, you will find a way. Yeah, you know. And I just want people to hear what you talked about today. This was not easy for you to do. No, not easy for you. It's not like you lived by yourself in a teeny tiny apartment, have no family for miles and miles and miles. You have nobody, and this this would be easy. And it wasn't, and it's not a decision that you did overnight. Oh no, it's taken years, yeah. you know, because yeah. I mean, my biggest fear was being um, financially dependent on him, mm. which I don't want at all. Yeah. You know, and I don't know if we asked this, but even like with your folks, I mean, how do they feel about you quitting? Like, never mind you not being around for them. Um, they're excited. They just, they repeat, like, we just want you to be happy. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they finally learned to trust my decision-making that it's that I'm, I'm doing things in a manner that will, um, keep me safe, you know, in terms like I'm taking a calculated risk. Mm -hmm. Like I have stability, some stability through pet, like I have housing through pet, you know, like I'm not just picking up and I'm like, I'm packing my car. (laughs) where the road leads me, you know, like certain things had to be put in place for me to be able to have the luxury, which is, mm-hmm. it is luxury for me to be able to go do this. So, and um, I can just see you leaving the room that day when you told your parents and you were just like, I'm going to do it. And you left and the door shut <laughs> and your mom turned to your dad and goes, you know, she's the smartest of all three of them. You know, we love her. We love her a lot. Because she does things, the other two, they don't even know how to tie their shoes. You see these chairs? She put these <laughs> chairs together. And I had a really flat friend over yesterday and the chair didn't even break. Didn't even break? Look at these chairs. I'm going to order an ottoman. She's the smartest. A whole table set. How about we send furniture to you? You put it together and then you send it back to us. Back and then you put yourself in the box because we love you and we miss you. Love you. Just don't bring a sibling. <laughs> I love it. It'll be good. It'll be good. Change is good. And uh, I'll figure it out like we all are doing, you know? Oh, yeah. And, and you know, and this is something I said, I've said on the show before, you know, there's people that are afraid to change and there's people that are afraid not to change. Mm-hmm. And I'm the person that's afraid not to change because I feel like when I'm doing something for a little too long, I'm just always like, hey, what's happening? You know, I'm like that HR person who looks at your resume and is like, 
really? 27 years at the same job? What's wrong? <laughs> Damn. What's the problem? You know what I mean? What's the problem? <laughs> because seriously, that's how HR is now. Yeah. You know, it's like if you're working in, you know, obviously if you're a teacher and you're, you know, you're moving up, you're escalating, you're going to like, you know, but there's people who walk into job interviews and they've got the same job on their resume, same position, the same company. And every year they make $2 more and they're there because mm-hmm. they're afraid to leave. And I, I've known a lot of HR people, even people I've been friends with who are like, I'm not going to hire someone who's been sitting at the same desk mm-hmm. for 15 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, what, it, what, what new information are they bringing? Like, have they learned anything? They haven't. They're not exercising those, those learning new skills or anything like that. So. Well, speaking of learning new skills, we hope that you learn how to make a toboggan or something out there <laughs> in the middle of, where is it, Massapequa? Is Mass- that yes, Massapequa, Long Island, exactly. Yeah. I'm going into the rural New York City. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not going to tell people where you're going. I mean, they don't need to know. No. Massapequa, Long Island. Yeah, Massapequa. Sounds, sounds good. Sounds about right. <laughs> She's gonna live upstairs from Tony's. Oh, jeez. <laughs> right upstairs. So it's right up. It's the same door, but you just go left up the staircase. <laughs> oh, well, listen, you know what? We wish you the best. And the great thing about technology is that we can always have you back. That'd be great. I'd love yep. to. And this, I think this is, I mean, you know, one of the best ways we can keep in touch and chat and stuff. And I always appreciate you having me on. And- And and I mean, I'm going to tell you on the air what I told you. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of what you, what you're doing. And I, you know, I love people who have a spine, who just do something like you're doing something who gives a shit if it works out or not, because guess what? You don't know. I don't. And guess what? It could be the greatest decision of your life. And if you sat here waiting Mm-hmm. you'd never know and you're still young enough where you can do stuff like this that's exactly yeah and that's why I was like if I don't go now I'm going to be building chairs for the next 25 years on my parents porch <laughs> like I gotta go now I gotta yeah go. yeah uh, well thank you for joining us and we certainly would love to have you back and safe travels and certainly if anyone listening has any more questions please just flood her dms yeah <laughs> Wait, I'll get back to you after I'm done unpacking the truck. Thank you so much, Erin. Bye, guys. Have a great night. Thank you, you too. Bye. Bye. Hey, friend, what are you up to? I'm listening to some of my favorite podcasts. Ooh, did you know that you can financially support podcasts? No, Coco, how do I do that? Well, in every episode description, there's a link and it takes you to a page where you can financially support your favorite artists. That way they can continue making the episodes that you love. Wow, that really excites me and makes me want to listen to them even more. Doesn't it? All right. That was good. Well, you know, it's always good to have her on. And, and, you know, she really wanted to share that story. And, you know, for me, yeah, it was, it was about 
her working in a school and being dedicated to that and certainly her relationship with her parents and separation anxiety and but for me the main point of that was talking about how this is something so hard for her to do and she's doing it yeah she's doing it and so often what we'll do is we'll look at someone like her and we'll be like oh well of course she can do that because she doesn't have kids oh she can do that because but it's like if we want to do something we will do it yeah you know, I've known people who have sold everything they had, took their three kids, got into a trailer and went across the country because it's something they always wanted to do. And they're like, we're not going to wait another 10 years for our kids to grow up. Yeah. So if you want to do it, you can do it. That's the message of our show today. If you want to do it, you can do it. That's it. Just do it. And that is it for us. Take care, everyone. That's it for us. That's it. <laughs> you can you can disconnect now. <laughs> Bye.